Welcome once again, baseball fans, to Running the Bases. We are going off the bag once again today for a very special guest. It is a tremendous honor, uh, Coach Vince Dooley. Coach, how are you? Good, sir. Okay. I'm, uh, I've run the bases a few times, but I've run the sidelines a lot more. We this yes we yes you have yes we know um we are a baseball podcast but uh, this week we're doing some special interviews with uh, with the big Georgia Tech Georgia rivalry just past us I, I'm sure you're you're probably still a bit heartbroken at this moment in time after that game. Well, it was one of the uh, most uh, interesting and most unusual football games that I can ever ever remember we did have a tech game in 78 that changed hands about uh six times uh, we've fortunately ended up winning in this case uh, it went back and forth with all kinds of things happening fumbles on the one yard line uh, twice by georgia once by georgia tech and uh, even at the end a kickoff that uh, tech recovered and then a fumble by their quarterback and then with us scoring with 18 seconds left and then Tech with a miraculous uh, 53-yard field goal that just cleared in overtime, and then Tech finally won. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a bit of pill always for Georgia, as it has been for Tech when they lose. But I guess we have been very dominant in the series, and uh, so maybe just percentage-wise, Tech uh, won the ball game. They certainly uh, played well and deserved to win. Well, it was um, first of all, thank you, uh, Deanna, your daughter. She got me into the game. This was the first time I've ever been to the rivalry game, and uh, uh, for those who don't know, you and I are related. Your your wonderful wife Barbara is a cousin of mine. So um, yeah, that's right. So that, we're related somehow or another. I don't know what distant cousins, but we all by marriage, uh, and uh, so I'm glad to have the opportunity to visit with you. Oh, it is our pleasure to have a, a living, true living legend on our, our our humble little podcast at this point in time. Um, it was the first time I'd ever been to the to the to the good, clean old fashioned hate game, and it was the most incredible experience I must say that I've ever seen live. And um, it, it really was. And we had uh, Orwin Smith, the Georgia Tech a back for many years, uh, finished his career in 2012, just on the show. Um, earlier this week, and he was talking about that game. What was it like for you coaching that game for for the entire breadth of your career at UGA? Well, we've had a lot of uh, rivals in Georgia uh, and still do. Um, and uh, certainly Florida and Auburn, uh, probably two of the biggest. Uh, and they're always right at the end of the season. But the last game... The in-state game uh, is still the biggest rival of all because it's in-state and there's a long history and tradition with it. Uh, so uh, that game uh, is still the biggest uh, game as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and uh, certainly uh, we've been very fortunate in recent years. That's not always been the case. Uh, Tech certainly dominated uh, the series in the uh, 80s, uh, or rather in the, in the 50s, uh, where we had what was called a drought. Uh, Georgia Tech won eight straight. Uh, and uh, then, fortunately, uh, Georgia uh, finally won. Uh, and it's uh, you get so excited when you break a drought, uh, which, as evidence in the game Saturday, you could see how excited Georgia Tech was, and deservingly so. But when, when Georgia broke the drought in the 50s, uh, there was a fellow named Theron Sapp that ran one yard for a touchdown, 
and the Georgia people got so excited they retired his jersey. Uh, <laughs> we only got three other jerseys that's been retired. One of them is Herschel Walker that everybody knows, Eisman Trophy winner. The other one is another Eisman Trophy winner named uh, Frank Sinkwich, and maybe one of the greatest uh, all-around players of all is uh, Charlie Trippi. And then here's Darren Sapp. So anyway, whenever it happens, uh, as it did in the, the 50s with Darren Sapp, and as it did for Georgia Tech uh, Saturday, uh, it's just an incredible celebration because uh, we had won the last of five, and uh, I think probably won maybe uh, the last uh, 10 or 12. We probably won 10 out of the last 12. It was, a, it was actually 12 of 13 going into Saturday. Yeah. Oh, is that what yeah, well, I knew it was a pretty good streak, so it was. you can see what what I mean when when the when the drought is finally broken. Well, you're uh, um, in addition to your Hall of Fame career uh, as a coach and as a player. I mean, you played at Auburn and you were an assistant at Auburn. Um, real quick on that, when you were coaching at UGA in those first few years, when you played Auburn, were you did you have decidedly mixed emotions going into that game? Or when you commit to a team, does your full focus, do you put your entire energy in that team? And, and the... Absolutely. It's, it's hard for fans to understand that, but it is a profession with us. And, yes, uh, you know, I love my alma mater, and uh, I'll always uh, love my alma mater and, and be committed to it because of that. But uh, when I committed to come to Georgia, uh, my paycheck came from Georgia. And uh, once I committed to then. I wanted to do everything to have to make Georgia the, the best program it could possibly be. And uh, when we uh, when we played Auburn, yeah, I was uh, I was uh, very much uh, into beating Auburn uh, that day, uh, and uh, did everything I could to to do to do that. But uh, and that's the same way with Pat Dye. You know, Pat Dye played at Georgia. And uh, when he went to Auburn, it was the same way with him. I mean, he committed himself totally to Auburn. So I guess we both have two loves uh, now. Uh, in the case of Pat Dye, it's Auburn probably first because he, he's been there all that time. He's living there. And then uh, his alma mater, Georgia second, it's the same way with me. It's, uh, it's Georgia first because I've been here so long. All my family has grown up and gone to Georgia. And then, but I still have a second love in Auburn. Yeah. Well, you, in addition to your illustrious career as a coach, player than coach, uh, you were the AD at Georgia for several years. Um, and really under your tutelage, uh, the programs like the, the a lot of the, the women's programs, the gym dogs and the ladies volleyball, you know, really you brought that the, the full breadth of their sports program into the national spotlight. Um, you hired Coach Rick. Do you uh, do you do you heap any criticism on him for his play calling in the game on Saturday? <laughs> well, first of all, I am proud of the fact that I, I've been here uh, active forty years, twenty five years as a football coach, and then twenty five years as the athletic director, and right away some mathematician will say that's fifty years. But actually, <laughs> I did both jobs uh, for for ten years, and I'm very proud of the fact that uh, we. We, we've had uh, a, a great overall program, uh, winning something like 22 uh, national championships, and a lot of them by the women. Our yeah. women's program continues to be very, very uh, good. Uh, case in point, the first hire that I made was Andy Landers, 
And Andy Landers is now starting his 36th year as the women's basketball coach and just won uh, his 850th game. There you go. Uh, yeah, so that is great. Now, uh, Coach Rick, uh, look, I've been there too many times about making decisions. And, uh, yeah, now that I know how it came out, I certainly would not have done what Coach Rick did. But on the other hand, at that particular moment, uh, what he thought might be the best thing to protect the uh, that lead that Georgia just had with 18 seconds left, uh, he uh, squib kicked, and then it was returned about 10 yards. So when you squib kick, you don't figure to, uh, the team to return it, but they did and took it to the 42, I think, and then the run by the uh, Tech quarterback got another 15, just enough for the uh, – for the tech kicker to get that ball over the crossbar, the longest kick he ever made. So it's just one of those things. Uh, I saw where uh, Mark Bradley said the percentage of, uh, of losing a game uh, in that kind of situation, just scored 18 seconds left, was like 99.8%. So there was only a 2.2% chance of tech winning, but it must have been Tech's day, the day because Tech certainly won that despite the incredible odds against them. It is. It's truly incredible. And again, it was the most incredible sporting event I've ever been to live. I've seen some amazing games across the breadth of sports. Um, obviously, baseball is the focus of this podcast. And, and my uh, co-host, cohort, uh, Coach Bounce, who does this show with me, we've talked about great moments in baseball against all odds. And it's just you know, it, it it's really it's heartbreaking when when it's your team that is on the uh, has all the odds in favor and but just that's why sports are so incredible. For you, you played and then you coached. You you've been you've been running the sidelines and then you know running the team on the gridiron. In a game like when you were coaching, how much did you take responsibility for the outcome versus? you know, as a player, you know? Well, it, I was a quarterback, so I've been used to being in a position where uh, you get maybe too much attention one way and then maybe too much blame the other. But nevertheless, if you're in that position, and that's, uh, that's the fact of life. Uh, and ultimately, uh, you, you bear the responsibility. As a quarterback, you bear it as a head football coach. Uh, and uh, in this case, uh, Coach Rick is the one that bears that responsibility, and I've done it uh, myself for 25 years. So I know the feeling, but I also know that while you can uh, delegate authority in, in coaching, uh, you can't really delegate responsibility uh, because ultimately it comes back to whoever's in charge, and the one in charge on the playing field as a quarterback, the one in charge, uh, off the playing field that runs a team to hit football coach. Yeah. Um, we talked to Orwin Smith about what it was like as a, as a college athlete um, and, you know, uh, playing on the team um, as a, as a, as a coach, you know, when you, you've got, you've got a, you know, a, a large group of young men, they're in their adolescence. It's 53 players or probably 80 when, when spring tryouts are going on. How do you, how, what was your approach on a personal level of managing personalities in addition to managing talent? 
Well, first of all, you've got uh, coaches uh, in football. Um, they've got a number of assistants who uh, have in, in, in itself each one with a, a squad or a platoon of, of men that they ultimately handle right away and have the authority over. So you've got uh, great, uh, great dependence uh, on assistant coaches, uh, perhaps more so than in uh, any, any other sport. Uh, so you, uh, it's it's imperative that in any business, sport, business, organization, and what it is, that you hire good people. So uh, because uh, usually a head coach is only as good as his assistant coaches. So you better have good people, and they are the ones that uh, that deal with the players uh, on a day to day basis. Uh, but when it comes time to uh, big decisions, uh, and uh, comes time to uh, address a particular uh, situation with a player, uh, from uh, mainly from a negative standpoint, it's ultimately the head football coach who's got to make that decision, uh, and uh, that uh, again uh, goes back to uh, being in that position of responsibility. Yeah, you wear as, as the head football coach or the head or the manager, as it were, or um, you wear the, the the prime hat. You wear the crown. Uh, but you also wear all the other hats. You're not just a coach. You're a father figure. You're a mentor. Um, how long did it take you as a head coach to get comfortable with wearing all of those other hats underneath the big one? <laughs> well, I don't know that you're ever, uh, because that's some of the, the toughest decisions that you have to make sometimes is, uh, with an individual. And you try to go the extra mile uh, with every player, because every player is different. They have a different personality. You try to uh, find out the, the best way to uh, uh, to get the most out of that individual and to help them. But at the same time, the ultimate responsibility goes to the team. So that individual, uh, as a case uh, of Herschel Walker, who was never a problem uh, because he was an ideal coach, uh, because he was a team man through and through, despite the fact how good he was. So he was very easy to coach and handle in that respect. I've had some other players that uh, that were really, really talented, but they didn't blend into the team concept as well. Uh, and that's where the challenge uh, really comes. But ultimately, you try to go the extra mile, particularly with some that had uh, exceptional talent. But when you have that feeling that that individual has crossed the line and is really a detriment to the football team uh, and the unity of the team, then that's when you have to make a very, very tough decision. And uh, But it's always uh, the toughest decision that, uh, that a coach has to make with a player. Uh, perhaps an even tougher decision is when one is an athletic director and has to make a change with a coach uh, who has not uh, done as well as we as we feel like the standards uh, needs to be uh, at uh, at Georgia, and I've made those decisions uh, as well, and they're they're really gut wrenching. I, I can can totally understand that, and can only imagine. Um, with uh, with Orwin uh, Orwin Smith the other day on this show, um, you know he's at that point where he's still trying to make the transition from taking all that talent as a as a as a college football uh, star running back and and translate it to getting a pro team to give him a chance. 
Now for you, did you ever, um, forgive me for not doing the, the research, but did you ever flirt with the idea of coaching in the NFL? Um, no, I had some discussions, as a matter of fact, uh, and um, a very quiet offer. But I really uh, liked the college experience. I, uh, I liked uh, the concept of the student-athlete. Uh, I uh, always enjoyed living around a university. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of benefits uh, of living around a university. I like the uh, it's a joy to learning, and I've always appreciated that. Um, so I enjoyed dealing with players uh, still in their formative uh, years. Uh, I think that maybe high school coaches even have a greater responsibility in that respect and a greater influence. But still in college, I think you do uh, have an opportunity to uh, influence, uh, hopefully in a positive way, players that as they continue to uh, to form themselves, uh, they're still teenagers and just uh, over the hump of 20 and 21. So I like, uh, again, the atmosphere of the university and the atmosphere of maybe trying to uh, uh, be a positive influence on some young men growing up. Well, that's great. Now, of course, we are a baseball podcast, so I'm going to try and get this to the diamond real quick. You said at the start of this show that you've run the bases several times. Was that as a player? Did you play 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 the uh, play on the diamond growing up? Well, I did, but uh, when I decided uh, that actually I was uh, both a basketball player as well, I was a starter actually as a at Auburn in uh, both sports. Uh, but it was impossible to play three sports, uh, so I chose uh, because I got I think I had got an ankle turn in baseball, so I had to concentrate all my efforts on football and basketball. But always had a great appreciation uh, growing up. Uh, Stan Usual was uh, was my hero. Uh, Stan and, the man. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the uh, one of the greatest eulogies of all times is by Bob Coster on Stan Musial at his funeral uh, about a year ago. Uh, Hank, uh, Hank and I, Hank Aaron and I, both from Mobile. We both grew up about the same time. We were both, I guess, on the other side of the track, but it was different tracks back in those days. So what a great admiration I've always had for him. And then I can still see Bo Jackson uh, coming to Athens uh, in a doubleheader one night and hit five home runs, including one that hit the lights in center field and no baseball player that I've seen in 50 years of Georgia has ever done that. So I've got some uh, great memories of uh, baseball and a great appreciation that's uh, for the sport. Well, that's uh, that, that's why you're a great man. Um, we we've talked about this, Coach Bounds and I talked about it with Orwin Smith. But how you know you really see in this day and age that parents and coaches are trying to get their kids to lock in on one. Uh, sport at an early age, yet, you know, I hold the belief, coach holds the belief that multi-sport athletes, though it's a thing of the past, are so much more valuable to the athlete, the person, to develop, to ultimately develop that which they choose. And you look at Bo Jackson, I mean, obviously that's the that's the, the Mount Olympus example. But for you, you know, playing as in college basketball and football, wouldn't you agree that, you know, the basketball helped feed the football skills and vice versa? 
Yeah, I believe it very strongly. I think that uh, playing both uh, football and basketball, I think basketball helped uh, with the quickness, uh, the eye coordination, the hand coordination. Uh, and uh, also, I think that it uh, it helped uh, a player uh, in, in, uh, in playing basketball that by playing football, you better be fairly rugged around the goal line particularly around the bucket, and I think it helped the, the toughness, uh, the physical and mental toughness uh, uh, for basketball by playing football. So I think in both cases, uh, one complements the other, and uh, from my experience. Well, there you, I could not agree more. Now, are you a? do you follow the Braves? Wink, wink. Are you a Braves uh, fan? Yeah, yeah. I don't follow them like when I was growing up uh, – in uh, Mobile, I used to follow the Mobile Bears uh, uh, every night. And back then, you uh, you didn't even have radio to find out what was going on. I used to go up to the pool hall as a youngster and sit with the elderly men uh, as the ticket tape came in, and they recorded the the, uh, the scores each inning as what was going on. And uh, I love that. Was, uh, yeah, so that was. Uh, uh, I was really a fan then, but but when you're the head football coach, you're also the athletic director uh, at a major institution. You uh, you follow it on paper and you follow in the newspaper and the news, and uh, but you can't uh, follow it like you did when you had more time on your hands. But yeah, I'm a big Braves fan and a Falcon fan, of course, uh, in football and any of our sports here, the Hawks as well uh, in the state. Yeah, do you, uh, do you are you gonna are you in favor of? Uh, you don't have to throw a lot on this, but uh, the Braves now moving to Cobb County. Do you think that that's going to be a benefit, or you, uh, or do you share my view that that's kind of not a good move? Well, I, I don't know. I, you know, I kind of leave those decisions to people that uh, are in a better position to make them than I. I am. You know, in order to really give what I would think a real educated other than just an emotional thing, you hate on the one hand to uh, uh, to see uh, a stadium that was uh, built uh, uh, by uh, uh, Billy Payne in the Olympics, and Billy played for me, and then converted into a, a wonderful baseball stadium. You hate to see that just go, uh, you know, so that's an emotional appeal. On the other hand, you have to admire those in Cobb County that was able to make the move. And uh, evidently, the Braves thought from a financial standpoint, that it is a business, that that uh, is going to be better for them. So I don't know uh, you know, exactly except the emotional feeling and also an understanding of the practical uh, feeling. Uh, so I have mixed emotions, let's put it that way. Yeah, as most people in Atlanta do. I, I for one, have such uh, loving ties to Turner Field that, you know, I, I just it, it breaks my heart about this. But, um, you know, it's going to happen. And you're right. You know, it's these new these newer stadiums, even though the TED is not even 20 years old, that come out are so state of the art and they have so many of these amazing new new types of amenities. And of course, it's about developing the property around it and so on and so forth. So I get it. I think the one great thing about now that complex down there where Turner Field is and Fulton County was, is that Georgia State's going to move in and really uh, uh, develop it into a full complex with student housing. So so there's a, there's a bright future on all fronts for this moving forward in the end. Um, 
you are an avid gardener. Um, when did this begin in your life? Well, I told you earlier, one of the great things about living around the university, if you've got a curiosity, there's a, uh, there's a benefit uh, uh, of satisfying that curiosity uh, because there's an expert on about anything that you have a curiosity about at the university. So I've always enjoyed auditing courses. Uh, there is a joy of learning. I enjoy history. I enjoy the Civil War. I've audited many courses over a period of time. And then I was always curious about trees and plants, no background whatsoever, and I thought I'd take a course. One course led to another and led to another, and I got bit by the bug. There's no cure for the infection. And so it is uh, It is my golf now. Um, I don't play golf, but I enjoy going out. And uh, I, uh, I find that uh, gardening, in this case, is good for the, good for the body. I enjoy working out uh, uh, in the yard. Uh, it's good for the mind. I enjoy the study of learning about plants and the history of plants. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's also good for the soul where you have an opportunity to, uh, go out and sit and contemplate and, uh, watch the environment, watch something grow. There's a great deal of satisfaction in that. So I have, uh, thoroughly enjoyed, uh, again, my golf just out in the yard. Uh, gardening, and I probably got a kind of a mini botanical garden. As a matter of fact, I have a lot of people that uh, come by and into the garden. Yeah, it's nationally recognized. You've written two books about gardening, um, and you were also, uh, in addition to the books about your personal garden, you wrote or co-wrote, I believe, one about this the the horticulture and the the landscaping on the campus at Athens. Um, oh. Well, I chaired a, a, a arboretum committee uh, that uh, was I was chair of a committee that uh, finally uh, got passed that the university was designated as an arboretum. But I had tremendous uh, uh, I had tremendous talent uh, in my committee, uh, like uh, Michael Burr, uh, who was the guru and wrote the uh, uh, book on woody plants and trees. Uh, uh, was kind of my Herschel Walker, uh, who did most of the work. And I had some other gurus, uh, Alan Armitage, who was uh, a guru of uh, herbaceous plants, uh, annuals, perennials, and so forth, who live right around the corner. So I've had the great benefit of having um, those mentors, they actually are my mentors in my horticultural journey, uh, uh, close by. And uh, so that, that's why I have... Uh, have such a good garden. Well, there you go. And uh, do you have any um, um, do you have any book signings uh, forthcoming that you'd like us to promote for you? I know you're always seemingly making endless public appearances. Uh, I think you you were doing a signing before the game on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Uh, and in fact, in December, I am going to uh, be at uh, various uh, Kroger's. Uh, if I'm being in Gainesville on Tuesday, I'll be in Smyrna on uh, Thursday. Uh, the following week, uh, on the, I'll be in Duluth on the 10th. And I'll be in Alpharetta on the 11th. Um, and uh, I'll be in Tucker on the 17th and Dunwoody on the 18th. Make sure you take uh, some time to, you know, rest from time to time. And, you know, have <laughs> well, some... I, you know, 
book book uh, signing is a good time during Christmas time, so you have to uh, you have to seize the moment. So I do have a lot of book signings, particularly in December. Yeah, and you're going to be are you going to be signing? I know you just released uh, a new edition, I think, a year ago of Dooley's Playbook, the 34 most memorable plays in Georgia football history. And uh, are you uh, is that you're going to be signing that plus any any other books? Well, that you've I will. Written? Yeah, it's a it's a new edition. I also have written a history book on the University of Georgia, uh, and uh, also a gardening book, as you pointed out. And all three of them have been done with uh, uh, Steve Penley, the, the very talented artist uh, who has done all the illustrations. Uh, in the case of the history book, there's 90 drawings, paintings. Uh, in that book, it's really it's just absolutely amazing uh, what he he what comes out of his mind into his hand and on that brush. Uh, he's very very talented. So all of these are coffee table books and really very nice. I have some children's books as well. You do. You absolutely do. You have a book for all ages and of all variances of life. So and uh, I yeah. I have my 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 proud copy of Dooley's playbook uh, autographed by yourself. And it sits on my coffee table. It's a great read. I love just thumbing through it. And you're right. The illustrations by Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Penley are, are absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah. well, Vince, it is an absolute honor and an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on our show. I know you're a very, very busy man, a living legend in the state of Georgia. And uh, can't wait to talk to you again soon. Well, hopefully uh, I'll see you soon. I have wonderful memories of your dad. Uh, the late dad, who's a great young man, a great man, known a long time, and then, of course, your mother. So be sure and give her my love as well. I absolutely will, and do the same for uh, your wonderful wife, Barbara. Uh, you're both amazing inspirations to cancer survivors everywhere, and uh, I've had the, the absolute joy of hearing Barbara speak at uh, several different cancer awareness functions, and she's just one of the most entertaining, funny, just flat out wonderful people I've ever known in my life. So, um, and, uh, and absolutely. And, uh, and we'll be talking to each other soon, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you. Tucker. All right. Take care. Many thanks to all of you listening out there on soundcloud.com, the SoundCloud app and, or on iTunes coach and I will be back next week. We'll jump into the hot stove and all things, Witter meetings and more for running the bases. This has been Tucker Wells coming into home. Have a good night.